0: Welcome to the Greatest Gold Podcast. This is your host, Pedro Alejandro Limón. And in English, Peter Alexander Lyman. This is episode number 32. And I hope you like that goddamn translation, son. Worked on it. That was my intro. Uh, I don't make it unique enough is the problem. Uh, I change it up. Uh, week to week? Actually, I don't. That's a lie. If you listen to this shit, you know that's a lie. I started off the same goddamn way every week. And this week, it's time for some change. So, boom on that. Anyways, <laughs> let's get right into it. All the soccer talk for the week. Let's get right into it with Isak Brizuela of Chivas, the Chivas winger, renewing with Chivas until 2022. Uh, I think this just broke like uh, a couple hours ago. They released it on ESPN Deportes. And that's great. I mean, we don't have any prospects coming up through the ranks in Chivas. So that's fine, Resigning Isaac Prisuela. If we did, uh, then, you know, as an older Isaac Prisuela, then you would start to look for that transition. Obviously, right now, he's still good and he's still in his prime. So there's no problem there. Chofis, as we know. Uh actually I don't know if I talked about it last week, but I'll talk about it right now. I'll mention it. Chaufis had a surgery where they were going in to fix something else and found another problem. Now Chofis has stated before to the to the to the coaches that he feels he he had felt a problem in his knee. And when they went in to do a corrective surgery on, on another thing, they found that there was no cartilage between two parts of the bone. Now I'm not a goddamn doctor, so this is in layman's terms. Or lame's terms. Not because I'm lame, because you are lame. Just plain. Alright, scratch that. Anyways, so they found this this part of his of, of his of his knee that was there was no cartilage. Sort of and it was sort of causing a friction. And Shoffis had said that he had felt a problem before and they said, No, you're healed, you're okay. So another problem came up with that, uh, where they went in to do a surgery on something else, and then they found that problem, and then it started to check out. You know that trophies had said that he had felt not comfortable playing, and hopefully that's the truth because now that they found, uh, you know, they had this one problem, they they found that that new problem that they didn't believe uh, trophies. Uh, they I think they have gone in and 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 corrected. Corrected what I don't know what they did, but they they have had to do something, so I hopefully when he gets back and he's healthy and he goes through the rehab and he starts to play, we start to see that trophies that we once saw at the beginning because he did fall off and it's funny it's a funny thing about trophies uh, he's a player that's that that's a rhythm and timing type player he lifts up his head he can look for that pass he has an educated foot, but for some reason he didn't look. He didn't look like he looked before. He had that, that, that nice dribble and uh, change of pace, cambio de ritmo, as you say in Spanish. He had that change of pace where he could speed up, slow down on you, and speed back up. And that's what you need sometimes. When you speed up to get away from your mark, Your 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 whoever's checking you, your defender, to get away from the mark, slow down, look for somebody, an option, and then speed back up if you have to you know that's one of the main characteristics that there was in trophies, so that's good that they that they that they found that problem hopefully when he gets back healthy we see that trophies that we did from a long time ago uh, and uh getting back to Isaac Miswela well like i said it's, it's great news for Chivas because there's not a prospect on the rise that could fill that position and plus Miswela's in his prime so that that's perfect uh, i applaud the Chivas Directiva for doing that move and um, good stuff now, we're going to keep the topic on Chivas, the subject, the, the talking point on Chivas, because Carlos Salcido, moving off Venezuela, Carlos Salcido has come back from retirement to sign with Veracruz, the Sharks, los Tiburones. And the thing that's weird about this is seeing the attitude of Carlos Salcido. He has looked uh, a little agitated and annoyed by Jose Cardoso, the coach of Chivas, for saying, when he did retire, for saying that when this coach got here, I was not taken into account. That he didn't play me, and I had one one season left on the contract. So it expired. And he was sort of annoyed by Cardoso not taking him into account. Not playing him, and stuff like that. So this is weird, because if you go back... A year before, when Matias Almeida was there, there was injuries in Chivas in her back line where we needed Salcido, and he was about to retire then. Same process. His contract was about to expire, and, and he was about to retire. He announced that this was his last season. And Matias Almeida at the end of the season said, or towards the end of the season said, you know what, Salcido, we're having a lot of injuries. Our back is not secure. We could use your veteran experience for a season or two more. So they re-signed him. I don't know if it was for a year or two years. We re-signed Carlos Salcido because of Matias Almeida. Matias Almeida leaves. And then Cardoso comes in. And you have to remember this. And, I'm, you know, Carlos Salcido is not always going to listen to this. But the one thing he has to keep in mind is, is that you were going to retire you were already not taken into account by Matias Almeida. You were taken into account by Matias Almeida. Sounds like a contradiction. But you were taken back into account because we had injuries and we were weak in those positions where he was multi-uh-functional. He could work as a lateral center back or even a defensive midfielder, which I don't like him there. But anyways, he's multifunctional. And that's the reason Salcido stayed and re-signed with Chivas. Now, when Cardoso came in, you started off where you were going to end off with Almeida. And I don't know why he's so pissed off at Cardoso if that same outcome was going to happen with Almeida. The only difference is Almeida saw that there was a shortage of players, people that were getting injured and whatnot. So that's why he got considered again, because we already had him. All we had to do was convince him to resign for another season or so. So I don't get why Carlos Alcido came out uh, talking a little bit of trash about Cardoso saying, you know, he didn't have me into in consideration to play and whatnot when that was the same thing that was happening with Almeida. You know, it's just, it's weird to see Carlos Alcido uh, get annoyed by Cardoso when that same thing under Cardoso was happening with Almeida. Maybe with another tone, you know, uh, maybe Almeida gave him a little bit more of encouragement, but that's pretty much the same scenario different outcome because of a shortage we had. That's not the shortage we're going to have now. We don't need Carlos Salcido when we have Irán Mier and when we have Jair Pereira and when we have a center back like Edgardo Marin that when they come in, do decent. Not that they're great, but a decent Edgardo Marin is better than an old Carlos Salcido. Not that, you know, obviously Marin, Salcido in his moments way better than Marin. And Sacido in his mo- moment is better than Basulto, but like I said, Basulto when he's coming, he's done decent. You know, is a player Basulto is a player, a defender that has really stepped up in this last a season or so when he's gotten the opportunity. Has a good dribble, has a good foot, looks up, everything that I like in a center back. That's the reason I like Mier and not Jair Pereira, which I thought Basulto was that more of that of that strong Mexican center back. No, he's he showed to have a, to have a little bit of class which I like from Basulto. But anyways, he hasn't gotten the opportunity in maybe the, ben- the bench or the team in the center back position. It might be a little bit too deep. But I like Basulto. Um, so, Carlos Salcido, he's going to Veracruz. And from what I've seen on him, on his social media, Instagram and whatnot, he looks bored. <laughs> I see him playing with, I think, his son. In his living room, you know, kicking the ball back and forth. And it just looks like he has nothing to do. And that's why he's coming back out of retirement to to come back for a season or so. And obviously, physically, he's in shape. Uh, He's a player that's always stayed in shape. And he has that same sort of fitness mentality towards the game. He's like Alan Pulido. Alan Pulido, you're not going to see a a fat Alan Pulido because he likes to take care of his body anyways. So that's at least a plus. That Like if he gets injured, he's not going to blow up and balloon up like some other players that like to eat. And just not play and not do nothing physically. Like Alan Pulido likes to work out. So at least that's something, you know. Like I've said, the kid's always been a professional. At least he has that. Uh, But moving on from Salcido, let's see how he does with Veracruz. I think they're, I don't got the table with me. I should have printed it out. But hey, you know, uh, sometimes you're unprepared. And you got to call it uh, from memory. And I think Tiburones is in last place. Don't call me on it. Do not call me on it. But I think they're in last place. Now, let's move on. And Chivas is playing Veracruz next week. And we have to kick their ass. We have to kick their ass because if we don't beat them, Cardoso should get fired. I'm just playing with that. But anyways, that's what I mean. We have to win that game. It has to be a goddamn winning game. If we don't win that game, shit, I'm going to return my Chivas jersey. That's a lie. I am going to return the jersey. I just bought a Chivas jersey from Soccer Local. A jersey shop over here that they have uh, uh, three or four blocks away from me. And it's a size too small. So I need to go return that after this podcast. Uh, I need to go get that goddamn jersey. I'm going to upload a video. I need that goddamn jersey to fit perfectly. Now, I don't know why I went off on that, right? Um, Like I said, Carlos Alcido, let's see what he could do. You know, he he hadn't played uh, or has any rhythm. So, you know, we're three games in and everybody's gotten into their to their rhythm. And he's not done nothing and he hasn't had a preseason with Veracruz. So let's see how he gets there. I expect him to be fit because he's a fit guy, but not to be in rhythm footballistically. So let's see what he, where he's at. Now let's switch on to Miguel Ayun. This is the news of the day. Uh, Miguel Ayun supposedly has offers in Europe. Uh, And he might leave Viral. Viral right now is in the zone of descending. I think they're like in 17th or 18th place. You know, around there. They're in the last three seeds to to, to descend into the second division. And I think Layun has been playing so-so. He's been, you know, he has some minutes. He's not a starter, but he has some minutes and and then he gets benched. But he's getting minutes. So he shouldn't be in in terrible uh, shape footballistically. Um so Miguel Ayun the rumor is that he's going to Monterrey he's close to signing with Rayados. So I think if he comes back to Mexico it's perfectly fine. No problem. I think all these players that go to Europe aspire to go to a Real Madrid or Barcelona, but once that or a good Champions League team to to do damage, a Porto even, you know. Um a a, a Valencia I'm not saying I don't know where Valencia is at, but for a team that's in the top five in Spain, for a team that's in the top five in England, a team that's in the top five in Italy, you go to those type of teams to play at a high level and to hopefully compete in a Champions or an Europa League. But if you don't make it to those positions and you're already an older player that's not going to get there, just come back to Mexico. I think the ideal situation that a young player, a young Mexican player wants, is to go and reach those levels. But once you don't reach those levels... There's no shame. You know, you made it, but not the way you had hoped for. So just come back to Mexico. And I think if La Jun, if these rumors are true that Layun's going to sign with Rayados, I think that's perfectly fine. You know, he's an older player, and, um, and he did play in Europe. He, it wasn't a, a, a complete failure. He played for moments. So he should just, uh, there's no point. There's no point in making the last stand. You already made the stand. You know, and you should just come back to Mexico to finish off your career. So that's what I think Miguel Ayun should do is come back to Rayados. And, I mean, the surprise is that he's not going to America. But, hey, I hear America right now is trying to close the deal on three different signings. Which I was going to talk about America, segueing from Miguel Ayun to America. America versus Monterrey. I was going to talk about that game in my Liga MX recap but I had taken them off because what happened during that game leaves me nowhere. Those red cards that happened in that game left me with nothing to talk about. I wanted to see individual matchups. I wanted to see the style of play, you know, one versus the other. Uh, Monterrey's philosophy versus Piojo Herrera's philosophy of play. And that sort of went down the drain the second the 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 ref red carded somebody gave a penalty to somebody and red card to somebody else. So there's nothing really I could take from that game. I don't know how they would line up, you know. So you can't you can't analyze that type of game to get answers that you want for the future. And I'm a Chivas fan, so I wanted to see that for for from the perspective of a Chivas fan, to see how strong is Monterrey, how strong is America since they've lost those players that they've lost, since they've gotten rid of uh, a Cecilio. Dominguez, and since they've gotten rid of Diego Linares, I wanted to see where do they fall, footballistically in the style that they play. They play similar to the way they played last year, but without those individualities. You see what I'm saying? So I wanted to see where they rank against a Monterrey that has stayed the same. You see, but now that went down uh, the goddamn drain. So I can't. Th- as soon as I saw the what was happening in the first minutes. Turned off the TV, not watching that goddamn game. And it was pretty much... It, it was nothing I could have got from it as a Chivas fan. As a neutral person that didn't give a shit about either or. But as a as a fan that was trying to match them up and see how we did against them. And from Chivas, well, we'll get to Chivas. We'll get to Chivas. Let's move on to Javier Hernandez talk, uh, speaking about Chivas. Javier Hernandez is close to signing to Valencia is another rumor. And I think that in West Ham... Uh, It's a small team that is not going to score a lot of goals. And when you have a goal scorer like Hernandez, it's going to leave him a little cold. Hernandez is the type of nine, type of player that needs a lot of opportunities to score a lot of goals and to get in a good rhythm, to have a confidence of a goal. And he's not going to have that in a small team like West Ham. For example, if you take Wolverhampton with Raul Jimenez, at least Raul Jimenez could play a little bit more with the ball at his feet. He could open up to the wings he could play outside the box uh, play to the left play to the to the right play a little in behind and then play at point but my my point is this that Wolverhampton with Jimenez being on a hot streak is only going to score 15 you know uh, in 15 to 16 18 goals this season not because he can't score more but because the team that he has is so limited in attack so they're not going to he's not going to have a a breakout 30 goals with with um with uh with Wolverhampton. He would have to be at a Chelsea to score that amount of goals because Wolves is so weak offensively. It's not going to happen. And that's what I mean with Hernandez. That was such a bad move to make was to West Ham was because it's a small team that's not going to attack a lot. And West Ham is obviously uh obviously knows that Hernandez is price has gone down because he's been injured and he hasn't been consistent in that team. So now Valencia is offering him to, to to buy him out, which is good if he leaves. The funny thing is uh, Marcelino Toral, Garcia Toral, um, had said a couple weeks ago, I said it on the podcast as well, that they don't need Hernandez, that he has better strikers than Hernandez. They don't need him. And when they asked him about this rumor, he said, well, there's people – but like up top in valencia the directors that that want him and i can't um i can't say otherwise those are people that have uh, uh scouted him and are making the moves to try to get him so it makes Uh, Valencia look like they're going for somebody that's a strong nine. And I agree, Hernandez is a better nine than all the nines they got because none of the nines that they got have a resume that Hernandez has. And what they've mistaken so much is the technical ability with, with the overall package that Hernandez is. Technically, you could be a landslide better than Hernandez. Technically, I'm talking about technical abilities. Ball at the feet, dribble. I'll give you that. But what Hernandez does in mentality, uh, uh, the speed and the mental, uh, the way he thinks so quickly, and his reaction and his movement uh, off the ball, it's at such a high level that he scores that much amount of goals when when he has the confidence of a goal. He could go on a goal streak. And with all that technical abilities that all these other players have, like, if you name me a, a Benzema, he's not going to score that much goals. Even though he's technically, with the ball at his feet, a landslide better. Hernandez is more prolific. So, and I'm not saying that Benzema, uh, that that Hernandez is better than Benzema. I'm just saying that Hernandez is more of a goal scorer than Benzema is more of a goal scorer. Overall, as a player, I think Benzema is a better uh, goal, uh player per se better player all all around than Hernandez but Hernandez is a better goal scorer than Benzema now whoever you prefer whatnot that depends on the coach but if you catch my drift that's exactly what I'm saying and if you wanted me to draw a comparison between players Jimenez is more comparable to Benzema than Hernandez is like I said Jimenez drops out of the box opens up to the right gives assists, opens up to the left, outside the box, and plays forward as well. He could drop back even a little too. So he doesn't mind being, um, playing that assist role or playing point, playing forward. So uh, I think um, Hernandez is is a really smart goal poacher that only benefits more from being at a better team. I think what he did at Leverkusen he could do at Valencia if he's healthy. You see what I'm saying, but Hernandez has gotten to has has gotten into this this rhythm of injury after injury, and they're always stupid little injuries they're not harsh injuries, but they're stupid little injuries that nag and wear on your body and then footballistically, you can't get into a rhythm, you can't get into a stride, so I think that's what's really hurt hernandez, and you know Hernandez has always been. A real smart and and uh, and uh, prolific goal scorer, but those little things have gotten in his way. Now, moving on from Hernandez, let's move on to a little bit of the talk of what's been said about Tata Martino. Uh, Tata Martino. Well, let's start off with Marcone. Marcone is a defensive five that played for Cruz Azul and got traded to Independiente of Argentina. And Marcone has said that, that Tata Martino has, had contacted him to play for the Mexican Selection, El Tri. And um, I don't think that a player like that is really good enough to make a mark in the Mexican Selection. He wasn't a reference in Mexico. He was a good defensive five in Mexico. You get what I'm saying? I think in order to be called to the Mexican selection, you need to be a reference in the Mexican League. Marcone was a good player in the Mexican league, but he wasn't a reference. Uh, you have to mark you have to leave a, your stamp in Mexico in order to be called up. You can't just have a good season, then leave, then want to be called up. Not that Marcone was being called up, but he, he, he said this in a press conference where he said Tata was looking to 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 call me up. Which was idiotic and it speaks to Tata Martino not knowing that much about the Mexican League, because Marconi only had like six six months playing in Mexico. He wasn't even close to getting uh, citizenship, so it was pretty pointless to bring that up. I mean from his perspective, he could be calling out a shot to the coach of Argentina saying, Mexico was close to getting me to calling me up, why don't you call me up? Maybe you could you could um maybe analyze that as a little uh, indirect from Marcone to the Argentinian coach, but you know, that's all speculative. We don't know. But what I don't agree with Tata is that he hasn't looked at any other Mexican number five and he was already looking at Marcone just because he knew him. So, to all those people that were saying, Oh, Tata's the best coach, remember what I said before. He doesn't know the Mexican League and he doesn't know the Mexican players. So he is putting putting as a priority, or he's looking over Mexican players because he knows simply an Argentinian player, Marcone. So he never knew if there was a player better than Marcone. He just said, Oh I know Marcone. And that's what I meant with he's gonna have to play catch up, and that's a disadvantage in in, in, in Mexico. Which, if you would have had a Mexican coach, or at least an Argentinian coach that coached in Mexico, like a Turco Mohamed, he wouldn't have that problem. He would have known right away, oh, the the Mexican fives, who's been here long enough if he is uh, naturalized? You know, who has the Mexican citizenship that could play for the Mexican selection? Turco would have known, Tata did it. And that was my point before, that Tata's going to have to play catch-up a lot. And now, I hear this other rumor about Funes Mori, and... Monterrey, uh, I think, tweeted out a picture of Funes Mori uh, um, talking with Tata Martino. This is at a a Monterrey practice. And uh, I guess Tata talked to Funes, Funes talked to to Tata, and they were sort of just like patting each other on the chest. But you see they were conversating. So obviously Monterrey wants it to happen. And I don't know if Funes Mori is eligible because he has played for the Argentinian selection. I think it was a sub-20, though. I know his brother plays for for Argentina selection. He's a center back, but I don't know if Funes is eligible. And honestly, just in the right now, I don't know about four years from now, but in the right now, who's better than Funes Mori? Well, let me tell you something. Raul Jimenez is better than Funes Mori. He's just playing at a higher level and has shown it. Okay, What Funes Mori is doing in Mexico, Raul Jimenez already did. At a younger age, so don't get it twisted. Funes Mori is a good player, but Raúl Jiménez already did what he's doing. He he was already uh, one of the top goal scorers in Mexico, and at a younger age. So this is not nothing to bash Funes Mori, but who else is he competing with? Especially in the way that Tata plays a four-three-three, he could play with a nine, a real nine, or a nine that likes to come out of the box. You know, sort of uh, play outside to the wings and outside the box. I don't see Tata really liking a Hernandez type. I would like him. I, I personally think that he would prefer a Raul Jimenez or a Carlos Vela. Yes, and as a nine. Because he only plays a 4th E3. And you have to play with a nine like that. It, you, you know, you're know, you not going to see Hernandez off to the wing. But he, if Hernandez does play, you're only going to see him at, at forward. So I don't see where Funes Mori fits into the game. You know, Carlos Vela's better than him, and Jimenez is better than him. So, where do you put Funes? On the bench? Do you open, do you, do you put Funes Mori second to Raul Jimenez, and you open up um, Carlos Vela to the wing? Where, where do you leave Lozano and where do you leave Tecatito? You see what I'm saying? And that's real wing play. You know, it would be impossible for Funes to play it on, the, on the wing, and it would be impossible for Jimenez to play on the wing, even though they play it for moments. It's not the same thing, like I said before. It's not the same thing playing there for moments and playing there statically the whole 90 minutes. You know? That's not their strong suit. Their strong suit is playing as a nine and being able to drift for moments. Not the other way around. Not playing there statically and being able to drift to be a number, uh, be a number nine. No. It's the other way around. So, uh, I don't see a spot for Funes Mori. Uh, if he does put up the numbers, he could get called up. And I don't know his age. And that's another determining factor to see if he gets to the next World Cup. But how it's lining up right now, Jimenez is the for sure number nine. He's performing better than all the other nines. Luzano for sure is in the left or the right spot. You know, the only other person that could have a spot is in the attack is Tecatito or Lainez. So pretty much the up-top positions, the, the strikers are pretty much already settled. Funes Mori could only be a bench player. In any other fashion that you could put it, moving players from left to right, you, whatever you want to do, switching players, Funes Mori can only be a backup, at best. So, pushing Funes Mori to get called to the Mexican selection, I hope he would think about it twice, because the only way he would play is if there's an injury. And even then, they might slip like a Hernandez in there. So, um, we'll see what happens, but I really don't like it because it's not really adding something of value. Not in those positions. Uh, If it was uh, a person that we needed, like a defensive five, because we do need a defensive five. All we have is Gaito. Molina has shown in Chivas, this Chivas right now, he has shown that he's not the strongest defensive five. What I mean is defensively he's good, yes. But when he incorporates into the attack, you see what Molina is. And that's the difference. When Gaito incorporates into the attack, he scored a goal like he did versus Chivas. You see what I'm saying? He accompanies the offensive midfielders if they played in the 4 3 in the Mexican selection with Tata. He would accompany them better because he did it with Piojo Herrera in, in, in the last World Cup, not this World Cup, but the last World Cup. He did it with Héctor Herrera and Andres Guardado. He accompanied well. And that's the one thing that Molina wouldn't do is accompany well. He would play well defensively, but he wouldn't incorporate well, which is the big difference. Gaito gives you another dynamic ability to that uh, to that midline. He gives an, another recuperation at another speed to that midline. And Molina gives you strength and recuperating ability, but not really being able to get the ball out of the defensive area quickly with the ball at his feet or a pass. The only thing I see better that Molina does than Gaito is pretty much tuck in between the center backs. And he wins through air. But other than that, Everything else, Gaïto's better, even the recuperating. So, you know, just goes to show you that uh, it was it wasn't the best of, of of moves for Chivas to get rid of Gaïto to bring Molina, because at the end of the day, Gaïto was still better, anyways. But hey, we got Molina and we got kids like uh, Beltrán and Dieter when he comes back uh, to to help out Molina, because once he recuperates the ball, it's pretty much the end of his skill has 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 has, has uh, stopped right about then who pays the ball really can't do much after that now let's move on to the liga mx recaps and since we talked about it already let's talk about chivas santos matter of fact we're going to recap the results Veracruz lost to puebla 1-0 cruz azul beat club tijuana 1-0 pachuca beat pumas 1-0 and pumas fired david Patiño, their head coach and uh uh, Marioni is gonna go to Pumas Unam. So he's gonna be the new head coach. Uh, Mexican legend. Uh Argentinian, but Mexican legend played in Mexico. Toluca lost to Tigres 1-0. Santos beat Chivas 1-0. Atlas beat Lobos 3-1. Monterrey upset Club America 3-2. Then we already talked about a little bit about the game, the circumstances, and whatnot. Necaxa tied Monarca 0-0. And Queretro lost to Leon 4-0. And Macias Macias, my my favorite number nine, the one that I said I like the most out of all the Chivas strikers toward two goals. You know, so uh, just goes to show you that uh, sometimes uh, you just have a good eye for the game. God damn it. Anyways, let's move on to Chivas Santos to recap the game of the freaking week, son. <sighs> Chivas um, come out. Cardoso comes out, lines up. A 5 3 2. He abandoned his 4 4 2 formation and played a 5 3 2. He did it because he was playing away at Santos' house and because Santos has a big stri- striker in uh, Furch, the Argentina number nine. Now, he said in the press conference, before we get to the actual game, he said in the press conference that it worked. My line of five in the tactical formation that I that I changed my approach worked because we shut down Furj. Yeah, but and I say this to Cardoso, but you didn't see if it worked offensively. Defensively it worked because you did lock down Furch, but offensively. You made your strikers and your attackers uncomfortable in their attack. You know, he put Beltran as an offensive mid, which he could do. He put uh, Brizuela as another offensive mid. Brizuela's quietest game was this game, because I'm not sure Brizuela knew what to do. But he was another offensive mid. And then he put uh, Pulido and Vega up top. Now... When we attacked, the Chivas team did not look comfortable, and they didn't have an idea of how to attack. They were just going by inertia. It didn't look like anything was planned. It was just more, let's see how we play. So you could see that that team offensively needed work. And defensively, yes, they did did shut down Furch. But I think Pereira in that line of four still would have shut down Furch because it was one-on-one the whole game. It's not like they were going two-on-one. And he had a, you know, a back three of Marin, Mier, and Pereira. It wasn't like it was two on Forge. It was one on Forge. It was generally Jair Pereira guarding Forge. He was the one checking him. So, I don't know why it was necessary to change to a line of five for one guy to check him. We weren't playing forge in zone. Furch is not Slatan Ibrahimovic. Furch is forge. And we changed to a line of five because of Furch. That, that shit's embarrassing. Now, to Cardoso, like I said, defensively it worked because you locked down Furch. Even though they scored from the outside with Gallito, ex-Chivas player, but offensively it did not work because this Chivas team did not know how to attack with that three-two that midfield and that attack. You know, Vega and polido were were trying to find an opportunity. were dropping back uh, more than normal because that midline. Really knows how to have to play in that position, and Beltran is not an offensive mid. He's a mixed uh, number five. He's he's a midfielder that could incorporate, that could play as a a doble contencion, a double midfield, uh, a defensive mid. I don't know about the the uh, a complete defensive mid by himself, but he could play with somebody else, paired up, you know, in a four four two. He could be that second. But I don't think he, p- he could play as a defensive five. And that's a player that's mixed. That's a player that could do one or two things. I mean, two, two or three things. And that's a mixto. Uh, similar to like Jonathan Dos Santos. Jonathan Dos Santos is a mixto. An offensive mid is more of a player that can incorporate into the attack and be harmful to the defense, either by s- shooting a goal or passing. But your offensive mids, so you could get a general idea, would be at your elite level, would be your Paul Pogba. You see what I'm saying? That's not Beltran. Beltran is more of a technical tech, uh, technical passer. You know, that incorporates well, but he's not. He's not in Mexico, if you want to give me a, a, another reference, a Guli Peña in his moment with León. You know, I think Guli Peña had like 30 goals in Mexico with León. That player that constantly incorporates into the attack. That's not him. That's more of your... Even Hector Herrera. You know what I'm saying? That's not Beltran. Beltran is more a uh, uh, more of a passer. Playmaker. That can incorporate. But see, there's a difference between incorporating for moments. And then doing it consistently and being an offensive mid. He's not an offensive mid. He's a mixed mid. That could do a couple... To, like I said, two to three things. And that's Beltran. But... Don't, and then if you switched over to Brizuela, which was the other offensive mid that he put in that 5-3, three, that three, Brizuela is a more of an offensive player that doesn't like to sacrifice for the team. I mean, he can sacrifice for the team, but there's a difference between being told to do it and being good at it. And Brizuela was doing it because that was the instructions, but that's not something he knows how to do. That's more basically like this. Molina's the defensive number five. If we would have had the old Chivas on Matias Almeida, you could put Pizarro on the left side and Orbelin on the right side. That's how you play in that 5-3-2. Because Pizarro is going to have the ability to go and incorporate and come back and defend and do it the whole 90 minutes. And Orbelin as well. And help Molina come out of the back and and incorporate into the attack. And that's not Brizuela and Beltran. Beltran is more static. Stays more in that area. He doesn't have that come and go like like Pizarro has, like Hector Herrera has, like Andrés Guardado has. He's more static. And Brisuela doesn't have that for more that he, he can be told to do it, he's not gonna do it at a great level. And Orbelin has that. You see what I'm saying? So those were things that Cardoso failed to recognize. And wow, yes, It worked defensively. It did not work offensively because he disrupted the harmony and the way they were playing offensively, which you got to remember, Chivas didn't score. So I don't know how you could say it worked. Yeah, it worked because you stopped Forge, But they still scored because Gaito shot from outside. And it didn't work offensively because our, our attack was was not used to that form of attacking, especially with those players. At least if you're going to try you need practice. We only had one week. So we switched in one week from a 4-4-2 where we were winning. And I'm not sure if uh, Cardoso realized this, but he wanted to show off. Personally, I think he wanted to show off for Tata Martino because I, I think he knew he was going to show up to the game. And what ended up happening was it, it backfired in his face. You know, he switched, and I'm not sure if he realized, but we had already played tougher teams in a 4-4-2 than Santos. We had just beat Toluca, where when they play a 4-4-2, and we play a 4-4-2. When you play a 4-4-2, when it's matching formations against each other, it's a tactical 1v1 on all parts of the field. If I got a 4-4-2, and they got a 4-4-2, it's 1v1 on all parts of the field. Basically, when they got matching formations, when it's not like that, it's when the formations changes. If we're playing a five-three-two versus a four-four-two, a different men have to pick up different people in different sectors. You see what I'm saying? And in a four-four-two, it's pretty pretty heads up. My four-four-two heads up against your four-four-two in the same positions, and it's going to be the, the same thing every game. And we're just going to find out who's better individually. And we did that versus Toluca. We won. We did that versus Cruz Azul, the sub-champion. We won. And then we played Santos and we changed. That was the stupidest thing I've ever seen by Cardoso. Anyways, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I just might. Or I just did. (sighs) Drinking a little energy drink. Anyways, that was um, episode number 32 of The Greatest Goal. And I'll be back next week, son. Monday's preferably, son. You feel me, son? Okay, that was, that was too much. You know, that's that's Urban PD Podcast right there. That's Urban PD Podcast. Bruh. All right, I'll stop. Anyways, thank you for listening to episode 32 of the Greatest School Podcast. And later...